0: Together, we will win. Now, here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Jermisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego.
1: All right, folks. Hey, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM
0: 1170.
1: The answer. All right, folks. Does selling your home's stress seem overwhelming? Well, it doesn't have to be that way with Scott Vinson from Caldwell Banker Royal Realty. Scott Vinson is the perfect guide to help you sell or buy your home. Scott has also been a San Diego County gun owner board member from the start. So if you're moving, let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott help you sell your home and find you new your new home anywhere in the United States. Call him today 619-948-2459. Tell him he heard it right here on Gun Owners Radio. That's 619-948-2459. Or go online to www.scottvinson.com so michael how's it going man just rocking and rolling so uh
2: any big race news
1: <laughs> yeah kyle larson won the championship that's what i
2: heard we i think
1: i think the entire block oh, my heard gosh. you guys cheering but Brittany, i thought she was going to come out of her skin because I- she's been following because he's a dirt guy and she's a dirt girl I don't even know what that means. Were, were I, would, they, I
3: would never refer to her as a dirt girl.
1: Oh, she'll love you if you called her a dirt girl. <laughs> were they
3: chanting, uh, let's go, Kyle?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> they are
3: chanting. Yeah, they were, actually. Because it
1: wasn't. Well, if Brandon would have won, then you know where that would have went. <laughs> she and was, that's how it actually started. She was cra- Brittany was going crazy. Totally. Well, she's, I liked she's a fan. I liked seeing that passion. I want to see you two, and I'm going with you because I'm going to try the spaghetti. Because now I can't yeah, drive by a—that's right. I can't drive by a Denny's now because because think, of you. I know,
2: yeah, Brittany, and I. It's all, I don't know what it is. I don't know if we have a. It might be a contest, or I it might be a dare. I'm not sure what it is, but she's going to make me try the moons over my hammy, and I'm making her try the spaghetti. Yeah. And then I don't know what we're going to do. Gotcha. I, I'm not sure if one of us is going to win or lose, or if we both lose, or yeah, see who we're both going to be at Denny's. So. Yeah, straight stranger things.
3: Hey, out of curiosity, what what's uh, Laura's opinion of the spaghetti at Denny's?
2: oh uh, yes. Well, she doesn't like Denny's at all. I, I
3: don't really like. Her. Yeah, <laughs> I think she's... that's exactly what we were
2: thinking. Yeah, she's just you know, it's not a good, it's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good, fit. it's not a good day if we're if we're if we're ended up at at Denny's. You know, it's yeah. usually uh, you know, yeah. something went terribly wrong yeah she's had a really bad experience at denny's that's the only
3: thing i can she likes
2: my spaghetti i actually so that's i actually make really good spaghetti and i like really good spaghetti that's why it's that's why it's a story that's right
3: nine minutes in that water man it's uh that's tough to do i mean
2: (laughs) i mean i mean the sauce i make a good sauce i make a good sauce so uh listen everybody jack wilson joe you remember jack wilson
3: i certainly do is he calling jack
2: wilson he's not calling in uh,
3: Jack Wilson. That's the famous. Uh, we we name that that shot at the plate rack there at Lemon Grove. That's the church headshot. That's right. So he, yeah. He, by the way,
1: <laughs> Brittany just texted me. It's an offer. It's an not offer. a dare. <laughs> she I like just, it
2: being a dare. Boy. I knew you would. I don't know what that. I don't know why. I don't know I what know. that says about me. I don't know. I'm I'm down. Brittany,
1: if you're still listening, oh, let's she do is. it. Let's do this. She thing. listens all the way home. She'll be laughing all the way home. Yeah, she thinks this is a comedy show.
2: She's gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna eat that spaghetti, and she's gonna cheer just as loud as she was cheering for, for, this, the Kyle for this Kyle fella, <laughs> this Kyle fella. But now
3: that uh, Jack Wilson, though, that's the guy that did exactly what he had to do when he had to do it. That's gonna, gonna be a tremendous calm, interview. Cool.
1: Did you see how calm, cool, and collected he was. Yeah. i mean that's pretty amazing
2: so here i'm actually really excited about this and i hope everybody joins us uh on thursday we're going to interview jack um we're going to do it live and you're going to be able to ask him questions we're basically going to do a a live magnum episode Mm. right rich is that a good way of explaining it yeah i just got the thumbs up so we're doing like a live uh jack wilson uh interview and then you guys are going to be able to Ask Jack questions. Um,
1: do we have any idea when and where? And yeah, Thursday,
2: time? sign on to uh, YouTube.com slash Gun Owners Radio. YouTube.com slash Gun Owners Radio. Or go to GunOwnersRadio.com for uh, for more details. It is this Thursday, which is the 11th, Veterans Day. That's a coincidence. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, at 6 o'clock? At 6 night? o'clock. I got mm-hmm. it right. I got another thumbs up. 6 o'clock. You're doing so. good. So here's what I recommend you do. Uh, 5 o'clock, stop by the old Denny's, pick up some spaghetti, <laughs> and go home. And, uh, you know, 6, uh, six o'clock, uh, turn on uh, Jack Wilson and en- enjoy your uh, your pasta and listen to me. And okay, go to YouTube. Yeah. Slash YouTube.com, YouTube.com slash gun owners, gun owners Radio. What do you think about that, Jackson?
4: Sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> You'll we be have, watching, and I, and we have Melissa in the studio. the Lovely yeah. Melissa. How Hello, are you? I'm
5: good, thank you. And Art. you're
1: doing it before Jackson's bedtime, so that was smart. Yeah.
2: Are you gonna? Can you tune in on Thursday, Jackson? Yep. He's got to look <laughs> at mom for. <laughs> He's got to look she, at mom for. Mom's for, in charge uh, of the uh, television. That I doesn't change, by feeling. the way, Jackson. That throughout your whole life, you're gonna have to look at. Yeah. No kidding. We still do to this day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way,
1: Brittany retax. She says, "Who eats the fastest?"
2: No, she's going down. She's in serious. He doesn't trouble. even know. <laughs> she's in so serious trouble. She doesn't even know what she just.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so we're having Jack. Okay, that'll be that'll so. Be Melissa's fun.
2: here. Yeah, Jackson's here. Action, Jackson and Chase. Chase is laying on the ground, lounging. Of a, I guess that'd be a chase lounge.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, uh, dad, dad is in the house. <laughs> yeah, and Melissa go. is
2: here to review a banana again.
5: No, a holiday gift guide for you guys.
2: Yeah. A, a holiday
3: gift guide?
5: Mm-hmm. Oh, I like
2: that. You're going you're gonna to tell everybody what to get me for a gift for the holidays.
5: Absolutely. It's
1: yeah. not in a <laughs> container out in the ocean?
5: No, no. <laughs> okay. Just double
1: check and everything else is.
2: Uh, we're having, By the way, check out, if you go to SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com or SDCGO.org, we're having a Not Me SD OC Pepper Spray and Situational Awareness Class that's coming up. Um, I I think it's it's mainly for women. I don't think we're actually allowed to legally yeah.
1: exclude men, y- unless you want to go
3: there and be a target. Yeah, yeah. Or you could just identify. They, they are a woman looking for, for the volunteers. Work. There you
2: yeah. go. So if you want to uh, if you want to go get OC sprayed, uh, no. but if you're a dude, and you're showing up. Come on, get out of there. We'll, we'll find you another class. Where's <laughs> Kurt? Yeah, let the ladies have their OC spray class and situ- situational awareness. Easier said than done. Yeah, really. Um, but check it out. Uh, if you know any women, especially who are interested, I'm actually a huge I'm a huge fan of pepper spray. I, I you I put
3: think it, on, well, you
1: put it on everything.
2: I put it. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason the Spaghetti at Denny's <laughs> is so delicious.
3: Just... Well, and the uh, the added bonus is I'll be teaching it, so uh, oh, I didn't know CV. that. Ah. Yes, here I'm sitting here promoting it. Talk about it. Yeah, I know. Well, it's you, you lay said it out it. there. <laughs> so no, it's um it's going to be a nice uh, situational awareness just. Ways to, uh, you know, avoid having to use the pepper spray in the first place. And then if your situational awareness fails you, you'll have pepper spray. That's like plan B. Are you so, going to talk um, about all the different pepper sprays that are available? And um, No, I'm going to stick uh, mainly with the one. I mean, yeah, there's there's lots of different kinds out there, I guess. Uh, the one that I use and uh, the one that a lot of us use is the palm pepper spray. Are you reaching for out to reasons them f- for them to donate? Um, no, I think they, they uh, actually have donated a bunch of trainers for us because it gets messy if you spray real pepper spray in a class. So we'll be we'll be uh, spraying the inert trainers. But uh, yeah, they did tra- uh, contribute a bunch of those. But they should send you the real stuff to give to each one of your classes. We class could have to work on that for the next class that we populate there. Have you ever I been would, sprayed?
2: Yeah. Anybody here ever been sprayed? No. No, I don't. Dad does. Jackson's wife's been
3: sprayed. Yeah, this what did you do? Jackson's, no, I'm
2: kidding. I'm kidding. Jackson's been sprayed. <laughs> Was it training? Okay, it wasn't real. Ah,
1: oh, that's like going yeah. in a tent and doing. Nah. <laughs> no, it's still
2: real. Well,
3: that was spray ease. You're a sprayer, right? I've so.
2: sprayed. I've never. Yeah. Oh, well, that's sprayed. right. You
1: did. You sprayed I did. a couple I sprayed guys down some a bunch some, of kids. Uh, a bunch dude. of kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Pick on the kids. Yeah. Well, you know.
2: It worked. So. Get All out right. of the
1: pool. Get off my front lawn. <laughs> yeah. Get off my front lawn. <laughs> Uh so when we come back, are we going to talk some more about like the election recap? Because that's that's pretty important. Uh, we're
2: going to talk to or- Brian Hill, the complete combatant. He's oh. going to we're going to interview him, and uh, he's going to talk about all kinds of yeah. cool stuff, which
3: will be fun because uh, I'll be taking the, a class with him in January.
2: Yeah, we're, we're going to touch on a little bit. There was a Supreme Court case we were met, we were kind of in, indirectly mentioned in the. Uh, in the uh, arguments, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the election that happened. We had right. a huge victory. We sure did. And Laura if you want to see
1: Michael's interview on KUSI, go to KUSI.com, Good Morning San Diego.
2: Or, or, or uh, go to Facebook.com slash SDCGO. Do you have we're it up on there. There, yeah. there already? Or go to our website. We're all over the place. All right. There's all kinds of different
1: ways to see my face on your computer. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right, Lucky we you. are going to take a break. Right here on FM ninety six one, AM eleven
6: seventy. The answer, yes,
1: love it. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six. AM
3: 1170. The answer. So at Gunner's Radio, we talk to a lot of trainers. Uh, When instructors uh, talk about who they like to train with, Brian and Shelley Hill are consistently at the top of that list. So hang on to chat with Brian next.
1: But first, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Listeners, you can get a free T-shirt when you use the code GUNOWNERSRADIO. Sign up today to go to uslawshield.com. All right. We have our guest on the line.
2: Yes, we do. We have uh, a uh, nationally renowned trainer, firearms trainer, Brian Hill from The Complete Combatant.
7: Hey, Brian. How's it doing? What's going on, guys? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure.
2: So tell us, let's start with the name. What does The Complete Combatant mean? Where did that come
7: from? It's, it's quite a mouthful for a moniker, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> alliteration. Yeah. You can't go wrong with alliteration. Heck of a business card. No. <laughs> uh and, and we actually put an ant as our uh, uh, symbol so that the literal-minded is completely confounded by the complete combat ant. So.
6: <laughs>
7: <laughs> but uh, I've been a lifelong trainer. Uh, I've been training in all sorts of martial arts my whole life. I at 40 years uh, employed as a coach of either teaching martial arts or teaching firearms or teaching edged weapons or teaching impact weapons. I had a brief stint in law enforcement uh, and uh, so basically the complete combatant was the idea that this is everything that the armed citizen needs to complete a well-rounded outlook on self-defense and personal protection, not just firearm skills, but understanding the legal battle, understanding proactive mindset, understanding uh, the skills that are available from pepper spray to unarmed techniques to using a flashlight correctly. And our emphasis is truly on that. I do teach some carbine and precision rifle Classes also, but mostly it's pistol classes, or it is uh, our image-based decisional drills, which help people to make decisions faster and smoother.
2: So we're gonna, we want to talk more about that, but before, actually, mm-hmm. I want to talk about uh, what are some of the disciplines as far as your martial arts experience goes.
7: <laughs> well, uh, I started in 1978, so uh, I've gone through every decade of martial arts training. Everything uh, I started. Yeah, well, I started out in kung fu, taekwondo. Taekw- kung you know? fu,
2: taekwondo. I'm guessing. Yep.
7: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Then it was kickboxing. Rex Did you do
2: some Rex? Break the wrist and walk I, away.
7: Man, I I think my first instructor was actually the prototype of Rex Quando. So. <laughs> nice. Well, which is
2: uh, uh, the reason I'm asking. I I've always been fascinated by the fact that it, it seems like. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the '90s was like a, I don't know, a watershed moment for for uh, mm-hmm. for um, you know mixed martial arts or Unarmed combat, or, or you know, wh- whatever you want to, wh- whatever, you, however you want to refer to it, but it seems like in the '90s when they really came out with with UFC and they started, but even before the UFC, and they started putting you know people in a ring uh, from different disciplines, you know, grappling and striking and kicking, that it really separated you know kind of truth from fact and you know, uh, you know, real martial arts from from fiction. Am am I, am I overstating or what are your thoughts on that?
7: Um, You're not overstating at all. It was a moment where we realized that uh, many of the things that we argued about uh, were personality based and that actual performance mattered, uh, that strikers could win. Grapplers could win. Combination styles could win. Uh, It mattered more the man in the ring than the style he had learned. And uh, you mean
2: by that, tell me about that. What does that mean?
7: Well, I mean, it's always the fighter. Uh, These, you know, if we look at the names of these martial arts, they basically it's like saying, hey, Brian Hill taught you to fight. Uh, but we put so much credit on the style uh, that we thought that if you learned somebody else's style, you'd fight well. But it's really up to you always to adapt these techniques, um, you know, to understand the martial skills behind them. But you're the one that's got to apply them in real time. And you have to be able to do that against a living, resisting opponent at all times. And uh, that was a real change is the ability to fight to such a high level uh, and to, you know, I mean, it is consequential. We do get hurt a little bit, but uh, we really got to explore uh, between being able to tap out, being able to wear gloves, how much we could hit and kick and punch and throw and and grapple with each other. And it separated what really worked. And we learned that there's uh, like the Pareto principle, uh, 20 percent of the skills really matter. The other 80 80 percent are inconsequential. And there's something that uh, are far outliers and extremes. We see the same thing in the uh, in the firearms training world right now.
2: Well, the, it also I think uh, it's it's safe to say. Correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, martial artists were surprised in the '90s at how effective and important grappling was. I think it it seems like in the '70s and '80s there was a huge emphasis on striking and kicking, and that grappling was was almost uh, I don't know it was almost kind of a it wasn't really respected. And until, uh, some of the jujitsu guys came in and really showed, Hey, you know what? A lot of these fights are going to end up on the ground. You better know how to grapple. And if you know how to grapple, you know, you better watch out. Am I, what what are your, what are your thoughts on that?
7: Uh, a hundred percent. You know, I wrestled in high school. I did judo. I did Japanese jujitsu. I did Brazilian jujitsu. Um, and I did a lot of striking and striking was the glamor art. Um, You know, we had a culture of wrestling in America that disappeared and became WWE, but we had catch wrestling, uh, where we had very prominent wrestlers that would go around and challenge each other in the early part of the 19th century. Um, And so we had a grappling culture, but striking became the preeminent art. And, you know, many of us grew up watching boxing at a very high level. So uh, culturally, we were really prone to encourage striking. But the problem with striking is you have to have a referee to manage distance because two strikers simply can't stay away from the clinch. Uh, they end up in the clinch all the time. So uh, when I was a martial arts instructor, we'd heard of, heard of the Gracie underground tapes. I'd watched a couple of them. Uh, I was very intrigued by it. And my partner was exactly the opposite. He was horrified by it. And he went ultra traditional. I uh, never touched it again. And I jumped into mixed martial arts training and started coaching and coaching. Uh, you know, fighting, and it was it was a wonderful outlet. And uh, then we started training fighters instead of people that learned a martial art style.
2: When did you uh, when did you wrestle, and in what state did you wrestle
7: in? Well, I wrestled in Georgia, so in, it's not like Iowa or something like that.
8: You know, still Georgia, uh, actually, that, that yeah, pretty solid
2: yeah. wrestling state. You guys, yep, uh, yeah. you know, some champions were pretty. I I, I wrestled in high school too. Um, yep. I wrestled in middle school. I really really liked it. Um, I had a back injury pretty young, so. Um, I still did fairly well my my senior year, but it kind of it, it ended everything. But I was, I remember telling people, you, you know, everybody you, you like to make fun of, you know, you had to wear a singlet and that's embarrassing when you're in high school, you know, and <laughs> especially me. I was a heavyweight. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to see the heavyweights in the singlets. But um, <laughs> you know, um, I remember telling my friends, guys, this is this is combat. You know, this is actual real. Mm-hmm. Uh, combat yeah there's some rules you can't you know scratch eyeballs and you can't punch the guy but this is real combat and that was not apparent until you know the later 90s when when uh, like I said when jiu Jitsu and, and mixed martial arts turned into UFC and all that other good stuff um, but it was I remember the uh, the judo guys I, I actually wrestled. I went to high school in Hawaii and uh when when i knew when we saw a guy doing some like judo warm-ups we were like oh man this is gonna be it's gonna be a long day this guy's (laughs) tough um but uh i you know i don't know i thought thought it was fascinating how everything changed in the 90s which is kind of Mm -hmm. if you go back to like like bruce lee you know who you know back wasn't that like his big dream in the 70s and the Mm -hmm. 60s was to get all these disciplines together and you know, have them uh, hash it out and see who see, see who comes on top. Well, that- I'm just
3: Michael, I'm, I'm hoping you're not going to say like Bloodsport was one of your foundational movies, and we're going to be talking about John Claude <laughs> Van Dam and all those guys. What's wrong with Bloodsport? <laughs> you knew that was coming. You
1: knew that was coming. That's what we were building up to here. <laughs>
2: So that's the direction we were going, yeah, maybe, but all right, we don't
1: have to go there. Chung Lee, <laughs> can you imagine movie night at Mike's house? <laughs> I'm
2: gonna go home, I'm gonna get some glue and some broken glass and get some spaghetti first. Get some spaghetti at Denny's, <laughs> all right, okay, what are we talking about here? I just went on a whole tangent on martial arts in the 80s and 90s. What's yeah, up there. with that? What show are we on? Okay, so tell us a little bit about the complete combatant, tell us how did. How did you, uh, you know, you you are a nationally known instructor. How did that happen? How do you go from, you know, teaching firearms training and martial arts, that sort of thing, to being a nationally known guy? Yeah, put
1: us back on
7: track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like you dragged all of my skeletons out of my closet. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. Uh, all right. So how do you get to be a nationally known instructor? A lot of it's luck. Uh, the other part is preparation opportunity. Um, I was teaching martial artists, which meant I got a lot of guys that shot, too. Uh, shooting and martial arts just goes together. A lot of the guys just love to do both. Um, and I was talking about things that they hadn't heard of, coaching concepts that they'd never heard of, and we started applying it to that. Uh, then I pursued an apprenticeship with a local trainer here who had quite extensive pedigree with the Marine Corps, uh, and I spent about six years working with him. I didn't get paid for that. I just worked and learned the craft. Uh, after that, I took every course that was available. If you look at my uh, my my list of credentials, I've taken everything from force science to you know master level range master courses to competition. I've done everything I possibly could, and I continue to do that on a on a basis. And then I have done nothing but work to make this business run as fast as we can and to be available and to teach. Cause that's what I truly love. And then I'm very blessed that my wife is the indispensable organizational wizard. Uh, she is quite the promoter. She's smart. Uh, she, I listen to her. She says, you need to do this. You need to do that. And she's got the promotion side. So I've got the coaching side and, uh, it's just accelerated. And it feels like, uh, you know, people are like, wow, how'd you get here? And it's like a long journey. It's a long path and it took quite a bit of work Uh, but we've been really fortunate and grateful, and I got sick last year, and I closed my gym. I got COVID. Mm. Uh, The gym was done because of COVID. Uh, I recognized a bad business decision if I stayed open, and it shoved me fully into full-time training, uh, which has been good. So I have some great friends that have helped me along the way. I had some great mentors, and uh, that's how you get to to where you want to go but you there's a lot of work involved in it and you know if you're self-employed you can work any hours you want as long as it's all of them
1: tell you what brian we're going to need to take a small break can you stick with us sure all right folks. You. you are listening to gun owners radio fm 961
6: am 1170 the answer
1: All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM
6: 1170.
1: The answer. Hey, our freedom of speech is just as important as our freedom of self-defense. We are thrilled to support an American company like MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com and use the code FREEMARKET3 and get up to 66% off America's best pillow. Get a great night's sleep and enjoy the satisfaction of supporting companies fighting against cancel culture. That's MyPillow.com and use the promo code FREEMARKET3 for up to, get this, 66% off. All right, let's go back to uh, Brian Hill and Kung Fu City. Kung Fu City.
2: (laughs) So, seriously, Brian, did you ever compete in the
7: Kumite? Or is that not something close I, I went to the world cup in denmark where it was free for all and i've never <laughs> seen so many grievous injuries in my life Ooh. emergency tracheotomies and spiral fractures of tibias and what it was god awful uh, yeah, at the world god-awful. cup why what was going yeah. on there they wanted well, to win it was <laughs> no rules you know uh, we had some rules but there was it was bare hands and bare feet and uh throws and grappling and striking was all on the table so it wait, was uh, wait, wait. So
2: what was I think I, I think I was isn't I thought isn't the soccer championship the world cup are we not talking about that what are we talking yeah. about
7: Yeah Yeah this is the the world cup of jiu-jitsu which oh, okay. no longer exists all
1: right all right we that, better move That kind of we better die move out, right along here
7: what yeah i was, I was
1: I just know. Getting into know the... you're into it i know
2: i was just gonna ask you if you could do the splits like van damme or no oh,
1: my God. break up That's some two by fours on his head <laughs>
2: so brian one of the that things <laughs> one of the things i really do uh find extremely interesting about what you're teaching um is the uh the red dot curriculum that you teach which i think is uh fascinating and you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I, I feel like, uh, I'm kind of a dinosaur. I'm just, I just ordered my first red dot. Um, I have red dots on my, uh, on my AR and on a, sh- I think I just put one on a shotgun. Um, but I was, I was, I was kind of one of these dinosaurs that was resisting red dots on, on a pistol.
1: I have one on my salt gun. On <laughs> your salt gun? Yeah. Yeah. I can, now nicer. you've got a laser on your salt gun. No, it's got a red dot.
2: Are you got a red
3: dot? Yeah. Mine only has a laser.
2: Sorry. You can hit a uh, a fly from uh,
1: <laughs> can't get it in air yet from thing. across the, uh, I've tried. the kitchen. <laughs> Took out a light bulb. But, but talk
2: <laughs> about why, you know, what 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 kind of what's what's the difference in training with a red dot as as opposed to just, you know, good old fashioned iron sights on a pistol.
7: So, you know, we went through the rifle phase where all of us learned to shoot red dots and we decided it was better um but the pistol's slightly different because the draw stroke changes things, and people have a hard find hard time finding the dot. So uh, they, the, the aggravation factor is a little higher with it. But I think now basically the red dot is the present. I used to say welcome to the future, but uh, my classes, even when I teach open enrollment classes, tend to be 40-50% red dots wow. uh, because it well it does several things really well. Number one, it lets you be target focused, which we're inclined to do naturally. Uh, that's how human vision works. Uh, We've been that way for thousands of years. Uh, We tend to look at the thing trying to kill us. And the red dot takes advantage of that system. It allows you to focus on the target and instead of a front sight. Um, Some people simply can't accommodate very well to a front sight. They get double uh, pairing of their vision, so there's problems there. Uh, The red dot works on a visual field where your glasses don't matter as much. Uh, a lot of us had to get our prescription glasses balanced to be able to see a front sight. Cause it's an odd range. So you Joe's, can shoot Joe's shaking glasses.
3: his head. Yes. Yeah. I remember yep. that. I struggled yep. with that one.
7: Yep. Yep. And it's simpler. Uh, while it's not really a one focal plane. It is two focal planes. You have the dot, you have the target. Uh, Aaron Cowan said it the best. You look at the target as a front sight. You look at the dot as a rear sight and everything's set up. It's easier to call your shots too. Uh, so Instantly diagnostic problems are easy to solve with the red dot, Um, you're going to see more movement, it is more like a laser pointer, which we're used to, and people tend to really adapt to it very quickly. The problem is, though, if you've been shooting a long time, you spend a lot of time learning the iron sights, and it's going to take you three to six months to uh, reroute your brain to a higher processing level to watch for the motion of the dot. Be able to open up your field of vision and go away from accommodation.
3: Brian, I'm so glad to hear you say that because <laughs> I just switched yeah, over. Yeah. Uh, I just put a red dot on my Glock 34 uh, about a month or two ago, and uh, it's coming along, but I'm still struggling a bit with it, which is why I'll be in your class in January. But um, Good. but yeah, that three to six months, I'd like to hear that.
2: <laughs> what, what are you struggling with? What's the struggle?
3: It um just you know just uh, well I thought my draw stroke. I was real happy with that, and like Brian was saying. Um, I'm starting to see, okay, I'm coming up out of a holster and it's, I'm not coming up where I need to be to have the dot on target. And, um, and I thought my mechanics were really good. Cause I, you know, with the iron sights, I don't have the, it didn't seem like I had a problem with that, with the red dot. I was noticing last time at the range that I just, I had to adjust slightly when I came up, which slows you down a little bit. So is,
2: what, what draw stroke is, 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 that a Brian, Brian, is that one of your terms? Are you, is that a Brian Hill?
3: specific turn draw that's, stroke that's a draw out of the whole story no, i don't think i've
2: ever heard, that. Really? I've heard it twice on the show tonight. <laughs> this is the first time i've ever heard that term
3: but uh well no like i said if, if your mechanics are good like that because when you get into the competition is it just stuff, your draw though is that no I like, think seriously is it yeah. just no no it's yeah it's drawing and coming out at the same place every time okay so that that's what it is and apparently well i guess the same place with the iron sights might be slightly it di- shouldn't be though brian it hmm. <laughs> shouldn't well, be different
7: it, it It is because you're, you're, you know, with the iron sights, we can do a, a gross visual alignment on the way out. Hmm. So really your draw stroke's not as good as you think it is. You're correcting it visually. Uh, what we found is we have to develop the kinesthetic awareness of people being able to draw well to the same point, And that then they expect to see the dot. And then simply there's only three decisions that can happen. Either they shoot what they see, they make a correction or they assess and they decide to do something else. So, The ability to put the dot in front of your eye is really important, Uh, but it's slightly different than iron sights because the iron sight waves out in front of you, and you can kind of use it like a rudder, so you are correcting the whole time. And then the other side is the red dot is incredibly precise compared to an iron sight, so you see a lot of movement. The iron sights move, too. It's just that we've convinced ourselves there's not a lot of movement there, so we tend to overcorrect the dot when it's a more precise aiming instrument. And then the final thing is you become dot-focused, so you're looking at the dot, not the target.
3: So, you know, that was another crushing discovery for me, too. My uh, <laughs> my really solid grip and solid sighting mm-hmm. and everything that I thought was really solid. Um, as I'm watching the red dot dance around on the target, I'm thinking, wow, yeah. I know I shake mm-hmm. that much. Mm-hmm. No, and down. we all do. <laughs> all
7: of us. Well, you know, it's frequency. We, we get muscle impulse by frequency, not amplitude. Uh, but our vision lies to us because we expect the front sight to be rock solid and still. But it's a sight movie. It's not a sight picture. It's always in action. Mm. That's a good way of putting it. I like that.
2: Is there a uh, is there a red dot you do or don't like in particular? Or are you pretty uh, <laughs> you pretty wide open? Uh,
7: no, it's it's there's a real hierarchy. Uh, Trichicon is the 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 top of the pick right now. Um, you know, especially the RMR for due to carry are for for arm carry because it can take a lot of impact it works really well it's got fifty thousand hours of battery life but i gotta I got tell you holoson is really coming up strong isn't it uh, amazing a- how good they're yeah. making
2: their i mean they're so affordable as you know my first thought a couple years ago was this has to be junk you know because it's yeah. not expensive enough i want them to take more of my money um but man they've come a they're i say that i was about to say they've come a long way they didn't have to come a long way they they came on really strong. They're really affordable, and they seem to truly be uh, high quality. I think I'm, I'm finally ready to accept them and as uh, you know, as a uh, as a quality product.
5: That's what I have.
2: They're good, right?
5: Yeah, that's what I have. Although I'm like kind of struggling between should I get red or should I get green? I have red right now, but I'm almost tempted to buy greens because maybe I can see green better. I'm not sure. Well, it's almost
7: Christmas. Let me help you. Both. Hey, let me help you with that. We see we see more shades
5: of green than we do red.
7: Uh, what's the background in your environment? If you see green, if there's a lot of green in your background, green's a better choice because we see the difference between it. Uh, if you have an astigmatism, the green wavelength is different than the red wing wavelength, and you may see it more clearly. Oh, so it well, gives you an do, option.
5: Actually, I just discovered yeah. I have astigmatism. Yeah.
7: Oh. yeah.
2: And then, so I just uh, or- make- oh, go ahead.
7: Go ahead. I was going to say, say I just ordered Earth. the uh,
2: the new loophole, the Delta, whatever, yeah. that new ugly thing that sticks off the back of the yep. Glock, you know? I just ordered that. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be... Are you gonna are you gonna make fun of me, or is that a or, or, or what do you think of that thing yet?
7: Well, I mean, with holsters, we all have a box of shame, and I think with <laughs> red dots, there's one too. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> uh Oh, it, it just depends how they hold up. Leupold hasn't done a great job of holding up well, yeah. uh, because you're talking about a significant amount of G's on the slide. Uh, so I would suggest something. Make sure you only use Duracell batteries in your and your optics. Uh, they're made to take the G's. Energizers crush down uh leupold's a little harder to adjust but uh mileage may vary it depends on how much you shoot uh, i've got a sig optic that nobody else could keep running it's got twenty five thousand rounds on it now so it's you know we're getting to the point where these things are very robust and the top two which is trichcon and Holosun, is just killing it right now and we never see optics go down but i think you'll be okay with your leupold uh but you know if you see it? No, you won't. Know. I know. That was it <laughs> was a very polite Yeah. Very <laughs> polite. You
1: just bought a pinto.
7: <laughs> now, no. now there is one there is one optic you should not buy. What's that? Uh the Romeo Zero. Really? everybody's I, I know I
2: know there's a small yeah. group of people I know that are all
7: excited about it. What don't you like about it? Well, it's made out of plastic. It's got a plastic lens. If you look at it real hard, it'll scratch. Um It fails routinely in my classes. It loses zero. It has no adjustments. Uh, The adjustments are backwards. It's made by an English company now who doesn't shoot. They don't carry optics. They have no idea what they're dealing with. And I don't know what it is. You know, I'm an HK-sponsored trainer now, but uh, I was a SIG shooter before this. They either hit home runs or they just throw out absolute junk. And the zero has just not held up. And I feel bad every time somebody comes to class with one because it doesn't make it through class. Uh, it's not my personal opinion. I've seen, you know, 40 or 50 of these just go down um, and come off. But the good news is Holosun makes the 507K, which fits the same footprint. So you can just spend a couple hundred dollars and get a really good optic and you'll be happy forever.
2: So you're coming out in January. I know a lot of people are looking forward mm-hmm. to taking your class. Can you touch on and tell us what is deliberate
7: coaching? So, uh, you know, I was rather surprised since we talked about martial arts uh, Firearms is rather like martial arts was before the UFC. Uh, we're just on the edge of performance coaching for, for firearms training. A lot of it has been uh, personality over principle, uh, where people are not using modern methodology. They're not measuring what they're doing. They're not refining. They're not using an analysis. Uh, they're not setting up a goal system. They're not exploiting floor, flow states or accuracy and precision training, uh, speed and efficiency training. Uh, They argue a lot of minutia that doesn't really matter. So the idea behind deliberate coaching is to actually bring a modern coaching methodology that we use with professional fighters to shooting. And if you get a good coach, the correction should be instantaneous at that moment on the line. It shouldn't be this uh, Malcolm Gladwell's nonsense about 10,000 hours you're going to have to practice before you get good. Uh, He interpreted that research wrong. It's incorrect and it's not nobody did get good because of 10,000 hours. In fact, a lot of them quit. You should be able to improve yourself almost immediately. So we have a three-second improvement. We have a three-minute improvement. We have a three-day improvement. We have three weeks and then three months uh, for longer-term goals. But you should see performance because I got to tell you guys, uh, shooting firearms is not that hard. Uh, We are really geared for it. And uh, the technical finesse that's put on uh, correction – for for problems is probably not the problem it is a psychological physiological response where people make poor decisions under pressure and they press the trigger anyway or they don't grip the gun well or they don't see the sights they don't they don't stay in the process so uh it's something i'm very passionate about i'm probably the only guy with a hundred thousand hours of coaching experience teaching firearms in america right now wow that's awesome what's your website uh it's easy the complete
1: perfect all right. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been fantastic. Uh, next time you drive by a Denny's, make sure you pull in and grab the spaghetti, and uh, let Michael know how that went. It's, it's good because we're looking for a cons- we're looking for consistency across the globe. But take care, buddy. All right, folks. Hey, Thank don't you. go anywhere. Melissa is going to come up with a gift buying guide for her gun owners, and they're not in any containers. Right here on Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1, AM
6: 1170.
1: The answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1, AM
6: 1170. The answer. The answer.
3: So are you looking for a gift for a gun owner? <laughs> uh, Melissa has some recommendations for you. But first, did you know law-abiding gun shops
1: and manufacturers had their credit card processing shut down because their vendors think guns are inappropriate? Well, shutting down businesses that support your constitutional right to self-defense is totally wrong, which is why we are so excited to have 365 Glacier Payments as a 10-ring partner. 365 Glacier Payments specializes in companies in the firearms industry. If you have a business that accepts credit cards, Give them a call today so you can enjoy the peace of mind that your accounts won't be shut down and also enjoy the best rates. You can visit their website at 365glacierpayment.com. Ask for a free account review. And if they can't beat your credit card processing rate, they'll pay you $100. All right, Melissa, what do you got for us?
5: Well... You know, Christmas is coming up, guys. Holidays are coming up. So I thought I would do a quick holiday gift guide for you guys. Um, So let me use this mic here. Okay. So, Shanti, are we going to? Okay. So I have a lot of um, things to go through. So this one right here is called the Velox 2 Quick Action Tactical Backpack. Retails for sixty two ninety five. Let me hold it up for Shanti. For there you go. Um, out here, I have attached a large Molly Medic pouch on the outside. And it does open up fully. Lots of room and bungees for all your um, tourniquets and everything like that. This backpack has so much room, so much organization. Tons of pockets. I can't even tell you how many pockets there are and the main compartment opens fully. Space for your laptop, and get this. It's got a space for plates. So if you wanna put plates in the back, or extra storage, or a camel bag, you can put you know, your plates in there. And look how nice that says, Veni Vidi Vici, I like it. Um, really strong um, um, uh, backpack shoulder, like shoulder straps, and lots of mollies on the sides. So this backpack retails for sixty two ninety five. This is great for anybody. So if you want to fit everything and even tr- use it for travel, Joe, you can use it for travel. Um, the large Molly pouch medic pouch is uh, $14.95. These ones, compact. Where is it? This one. This is the compact pocket organizer. Pens, pencils, anything. And comes ready to fit on Molly's. So Jackson, if... Chase has some mollies on his vest. We can probably attach something like this to him, right? Yep. Okay, so that Compact Pocket Organizers, $13.95, on sale right now for $11.95. And the Sidekick Molly Utility Pouch, which is this one, same. Can attach it with mollies to anything. Opens, you can use this for pretty much anything. It's got bungees here to hold everything closed and a little Velcro pocket inside. So that one right there is Sidekick Molly Utility Pouch for twelve ninety five. Everything has a lifetime warranty as well. So if something goes wrong with it, tell them, and they'll replace it for you. Um, right now, I have a code for you guys. Um, if you want to save 15%, use m- code MEL15 at 3Vgear.com. Um, and that's it for 3Vgear. Like I said, I have a lot of stuff for you, so... That's one Christmas idea. Second, this one's for the ladies, Kelly. You might want to you might want these <laughs> in yourself. Yeah. So this right here is the Can Can. I've done um I've done this review before, but I can't say enough about this one. This is the Can Can Concealment um, Sport Belt Hero. So this actually goes around your waist, has two places for a gun, for holstering, and obviously I have to use the banana. Uh, because you know Melissa gets shut down if she uses real guns, Jackson. I'm sorry,
2: Jackson. What caliber is that banana? Can
1: you tell?
5: What caliber is this banana?
1: Push the mic over. There you go. Nine. Nine. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> I think you're
5: right. I I agree. Okay. So, um, there's um some stickiness here on the back, so it's not going to slip on your skin. There's a magnet here for the um the gun to stick into um really close to the the holster um look at this a pocket for keys and everything you can hook your keys on I have my knife in here and I have another mag I actually stick my wallet in this zippered pocket right here and anything I don't really want to get lost I would use that for a mag it's pretty skinny and any pocket that has this little pull tab is for a gun so we have two places to holster a gun, and then I have my grenade iPod carrier. So look at how many pockets. Two places to hold guns. Zippered pouch. It's all Velcro, in with this grip here in the inside, it's not going anywhere. So that... How
3: does your banana fit in there again? Is there <laughs> a, um, does it cover the trigger guard and all that? It actually or- does. And is it a pretty universal pouch, or is it specific to... Um...
5: Um, subcompact. Okay. Subcompact bananas, Joe.
3: Okay. <laughs> like plantains.
5: Right. Right. No plantains. <laughs> so you can get this at CanCanConcealment.com. Use code GOR15 for 15% off, and this belt runs $70. Okay. So on this belt, I have my next one. It's called the Neomag. Um. The Neomag.com has made this amazing, which I think everybody should have. If you carry concealed, you need this. This is a really, really strong magnet that you put on your pocket that your
3: Not my Glock magazine, No.
5: <laughs> they actually do make them for Glocks. Oh really? Yeah. I
2: mean, there's a it's there's a, a metal line. There's a metal oh. liner in the, <laughs> okay. in the Glock mag,
5: yeah. Cool. Yeah, so um, you can order like you know this is like the right their standard size. They do have ones for Glock. Oh, great, that's yeah. cool. It's a little bit longer too, and it has two magnets for the Glock. But your your mag's not going anywhere and falling out of your pocket. Cause last time I did not have this was when I jumped out of a truck and my mag fell out of my pocket and fell in mud. <laughs> so I wasn't happy about that. So this is not going anywhere. So. Um, anybody who uh, conceal carries and does the extra mag, you guys need one of these. Easy peasy, sticks in your pocket, and that, that magazine is not going anywhere.
3: So that clips to your in, to your pocket then, and, it's, and the magazine sits inside your pocket and just mm-hmm. pulls out. Cool.
5: Yep. So you would actually just, for fast deployment.
2: I want to see Jackson do it. There you go. Give her a try, Jackson.
5: Oh, there you yeah. go. How yeah. easy is that, Jackson? Very easy, yes. <laughs> so, um, two different sizes are standard, and there's some for Glocks. You can get these at theneomag.com. And they retail between $39.99 and $49.99, depending on what size you get. And we do have a discount code for you. Use Gun Owners Radio 10 to save 10%. Um, how much time do I have?
1: o'clock three I, minutes
5: three minutes i feel like i'm like just talking like minutes. super fast so these are my favorite absolute favorite in-ear electronic ear pro and this is what i use at the range these are grizzly ears grizzly ears are electronic earbuds and it comes with this case lots of different <laughs> sizes of like ear foamy pieces
2: look at the look on his face he just got all excited oh he, are, are, you do,
5: you need some of these yeah you need some of these um so in ear really easy to use one tap will um connect you to your phone you can talk on the phone sounds great two taps and you'll do shot compression jackson and you can hear people just fine it's like having batman hearing i love it um it comes with a little tiny case it's the charging case and you place them in the charging case and you will get three charges out of this case before having to charge it up. And I like it that I can actually listen to my music on my phone at the same time having shot compression and hearing everybody's voices. So this is Grizzly Ears. And what's nice, how many times does your ears hurt from having the -the over-the-ear, you know, ear pro? My ears get sore after a while, how about you, Joe?
3: Oh, yeah. Actually, I ended up buying a pair of those after your last interview, and um, and they work great because I'm pretty fashion conscious when I'm shooting, so I wear different kinds of hats, and the <laughs> earmuffs don't always work. But the one thing, I forgot to charge those the other day, and I remembered about an hour before I was leaving the house, and they were completely dead, and I thought, well, let me see what I can get charge-wise in an hour, and then I charged them on the way up to the uh, range in the truck, and they lasted the whole four-hour RSO shift. They were fine. That's great. So they charge fast.
5: That's great. Yeah, they do actually charge pretty fast. So if you guys want some of these, they retail for $249. Use code MEL20 at grizzly-ears.com to save. So that is my holiday gift guide. You guys got to get on this.
1: Ho, ho, ho. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM
5: 1170.
6: The edge
0: program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. time to get involved and get active, together we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe and Michael on The Answer San Diego.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, Hour 2 on FM 96.1 AM
6: 1170. The answer.
2: Joe's going to talk about the nanny state and CCWs next, but first.
1: All right, folks, PRMI Mortgage, primeres.com slash alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help for a VA loan? And if you're looking to buy a refi, or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or
3: just go to primeres.com slash alpine. All right, Joe, it's all yours. All right. So, um, yeah, the Nanny State CCWs and Responsibility. And um, I actually wrote the, the last two articles... Uh, the one um, that we talked about last week was the Alec Baldwin thing, and and they had the same theme. It was about responsibility there, because um, when that happened, when all the new you know news started coming out, it was you know the big emphasis was we need more rules, we need to ban guns from movies, need to do this, need to do that. There was nothing about uh, somebody needs to be responsible for what they're doing, and you know the first one I wrote was this. Then I wrote the Baldwin one. Then we talked about Baldwin last week, but we'll talk about this one this week now. And um, it's the same kind of thing. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had, um, we had Chris Chang and Ursula Williams here in studio. And um, that week, I was talking about the other article, the, the one from the week before, um, that I'd written. And um, we were talking about constitutional carry. And I'd mentioned that, um, you know, I was in, in favor of constitutional carry. I just had a slight reservation. And then Michael said, well, well what's the slight reservation, Joe? you got to tell us about that. Um, so I brought it up, my slight reservation was, you know, with uh, constitutional carry, there's no licensing or permitting or anything required. And I said, you just kind of missed the opportunity to, um, have people take some training, not so much the firearms part, but training in the rules, the laws, what you can do, what you can't do, because the, um, you know, the laws are generally so just screwy and not logical, especially here in California, but, but a lot of those, you know, kinds of firearms related laws are that way. And they're not they're not things that you would figure out necessarily with common sense you'd think it'd be one way and it turns out to be another way and i was just saying you know the only thing with constitutional carriers there's no um there's no opportunity to to make people at least learn that once anywhere at least hear it once um and i i said that was my reservation and um both ursula and chris spoke up and uh we had a big discussion here about about how it's not really, you know, it's not the state's responsibility to make sure you know what you're supposed to know. It's your responsibility. If you choose to carry a firearm and get a concealed carry license, then it's on you to know how to do that safely and effectively and, and know what you need to know. And, you know, I was thinking about that and, and after I was listening to them, I thought, well, you know what? I, I believe exactly that. I don't, don't really have a uh, reservation. And that got me thinking about why I thought I objected to or not really objected to it, but why I thought I had a slight reservation. And I started thinking about, you know, being out here in California since what? 79, um, where you have this mentality out here that the government is supposed to do everything, the government is supposed to be responsible for your safety, for your, this, for your, that, and there's a tendency, I mean, I found in my thinking I'm thinking, okay, well, okay, it's not my responsibility. You know, somebody should be making people learn this or learn that. And I thought that's that's such a bad way to think. But I think that's what happens when you get that um, that kind of a government, or you get used to living in that environment. Um, John Dylan has a term. I actually stole it from The Shawshank Redemption, but uh, <laughs> but John Dylan says we have become institutionalized in California in terms of our, you know, uh, how we look at firearms and things. Because we've had our rights trampled for so long and we've been so abused by the states, you know, our second amendment rights have been so abused that, um, gun owners out here just look at, oh yeah, okay, another thing, we lost that. Okay. And, um, we kind of go along with it and I think it's the same thing with, um, with this responsibility because like teaching these concealed carry classes, um, you know, we go through the laws and the rules and all that kind of stuff and, um, and again, a lot of it's, um you know, not, not stuff that you would think of. I mean, it's, it's not really logical. Um, but again, at least, you know, f- to defend the California thing, at least, okay, they make you out to a class. So at least you hear it once, but realistically, like, you know, like Ursula and Chris pointed out, that's not the state's responsibility. They really don't need to be doing that. And that's the people. If, uh, if you're going to do it, you know, it's on you to, um, to learn what you need to learn. hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, and, and like when we teach these classes, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, 20 people in the class, 18 people, something like that. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at these people and I put together, uh, it's the same one, I put together this resource list. And it's the same one I hand out when I do the CCW seminars. And it's got a bunch of, you know, it's got gear on it. It's got holsters, you know, sources for holsters, for gun belts, for all this stuff. And I've listed like a dozen books on there that you know I've, I've whittled my list down to about a dozen i don't want to put all you know 30 or 40 on there <laughs> um but you know and i urge people you know you're going to do this do it right you know learn read take classes um you know carry whenever wherever you can carry and get into it like I, I say you know it's a lifestyle and i know that easily half the people in that class probably won't do any of that and i'll see them again in two years when it's time to research and that's kind of the training they're going to do. And, you know, I, I feel bad about, it. I mean, I wish there was more I could do about it, but well, as Ursula and Chris pointed out, it's, that's on them. They're doing it. They're adults. They need to take the responsibility. If they choose not to do that, then okay, the risk is what it is. And, uh, you know, it's their decision.
2: Yeah. If government wants to, you know, sponsor gun safety classes and, you know, open it up to the public, maybe charge a, a, a small fee, great, you know, for the public interest, for the public good, you want to do that, great. But, but putting, uh, putting a requirement uh, in, 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 in between you and, and exercising a right, you know, there's probably an argument, you know, to be made about, well, gee, is it, is it an unattainable right, you know, or, or an unobtainable uh, uh, roadblock, you know, is, uh, is well, and it is for some people, and it probably that's what I was yeah. gonna say. It probably is for some people, but if there was some kind of, you know, uh, requirement or, or, or just outreach or messaging something like that, okay, fine. But the the point is that hey, you can't you can't put these roadblocks in in front of people. At least government can't put this these roadblocks in front of people uh, when it comes to a natural right like your right to keep and bear arms in order to defend your life.
3: Well, and yeah, and that's... but
2: with You know, with uh, those rights comes a ton of responsibility. Yeah. So if you're out there, you know, listen, if you're in your lazy boy right now and you haven't taken a class in two or three years, you know, um, or or you're getting your CCW and the only class you take is Joe's class every two years. You're just as wrong as government forcing people to take classes. In fact, you're probably worse. So, uh, get out there and, and treat the, the uh, right uh, with the responsibility it, it, it requires. I go to at least three days, three full eight hour days uh, every year, at least three, every single year. Um, so, I put my money where my mouth is. Everyone else can. Um, I think it's important.
3: Yeah, and it, it's interesting, again, the part, you know, the point of that article and the Baldwin article as well is like how easily your mind shifts because i'm pretty independent and i don't really go along with that kind of stuff normally and i'd be you know if you asked me i'd be the last one to think that now oh, it's not my responsibility it's the government's responsibility and yet i got sucked right into that and i didn't even realize i was thinking that way and you know until chris and ursula pointed it out and uh that's a really dangerous part of the the government thing it'll be interesting if we get a good ruling on the supreme court case that they're they're hearing now um, it'll be interesting to see the reactions of places like California and New York. Are they just going to throw, you know, if the court rules that, okay, that's uh, concealed carry is protected by the Second Amendment, are they going to throw up roadblocks with with extra fees and extra training requirements and things like that? it be interesting to see how that goes. It will. Here's what I've learned about court cases. It's never as good as you hope it's going to be. Oh, no, <laughs> that know, would the, be a the, best case. But. Yeah,
2: the Heller versus D.C. was supposed to solve all our problems, and here we are.
1: All right, folks. Hey, well, don't go anywhere. Jamie Franks is on next. He's going to talk about the Alec Baldwin incident, some updates for you, right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM
6: 1170. The answer.
1: All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961,
6: AM 1170. The answer. Nice job.
1: <clears throat> nice job. Hey, we are proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10 ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates. They offer elite self defense and concealed carry training for the nation's top instructors and provide rock bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Join them today, members. At great prices and free shipping. Learn more about that at NationalConcealedCarryAssociation dot com. Mike, do your intro. I kind of walked over you.
2: Well, we're actually well. The intro is uh, we're going to talk to Jamie Franks. We 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 did a couple of segments um, last week. Was it last week, Joe? It was last week. On Alec right Baldwin, now. we talked about Alec Baldwin, and uh, boy, what a hot topic! Like people are all over the place on that. And uh, Jamie had a couple of things to to say on his facebook page so i wanted to bring him on and uh just chat a little bit more about it because um, i think it's important i think it's uh there's a lot of reasons it's important um none of them have to do with the fact that it's alec baldwin who's involved <laughs> but uh for a hundred other reasons i think it's an important thing to talk about and i think that jamie's message is really important to get out there jamie how you doing man
8: i'm doing well how about you guys
2: Good. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show again. Jamie Franks, uh, uh, instructor, top shot shooter uh, and friend of the show and uh, all around great guy. Appreciate you being here. So what is your view? Yep, of course Thanks of the, for having me. You bet. The Alec, Alec Baldwin incident. Uh, he was on the set um, from best we can tell. He was handed a firearm uh, that was being used as a prop and uh it was somehow loaded with with not just uh ammunition or not not a blank but live ammunition and when he was uh, again it's what's being pr- reported is when he pointed it towards the camera and and fired the trigger or pulled the trigger fired the gun uh, the the bullet struck uh, two people went through a uh, um one of the one of the behind the scenes ladies and, and she didn't make it she unfortunately passed away and then uh, severely injured the uh, the person behind her so um what are your thoughts on that jamie
8: so there's there's so many analogies that i could make um number one anybody that's ever been on a a a film set so for a movie or, or a tv show um that deals with firearms uh typically you have an armorer, and then the armorer has an assistant, and every single time a gun is brought onto the set, everything stops. Uh, The armorer will verify that it's clear. The assistant armorer will go behind him and do a second check, which, you know, typically in the industry, we call that a buddy check. Uh, A second set of eyes, to independently verify the condition of the weapon, and then uh, we continue on from there. And so I can only imagine Several things had to have broken down in that chain, but just in that instance, in that moment, you have to remember Alec Baldwin is an actor. Um, He's not, really he has no obligation to have any firearms training. Do I think he should have firearms training? Of course, I think every American should have firearms training, but that's unfortunately not reality. Um, Alec Baldwin makes obscene amounts of money to pretend to do stuff. I mean, he was in Pearl Harbor where he played James Doolittle, but I don't think any of us actually expect that he could really fly a b-25 so um he's an actor he pretends to do stuff and then also on a film set independent of everything that the armor is supposed to do and be responsible for you also have to think about it in terms of on a film set they take they do take after take after take after take after take where everything has to be reset and done again and reset and done again and reset and done again so um assuming this was several days into this film shoot um, where, again, I, I would assume that they had filmed many scenes that involved many guns, and up to that point, they had been reset many times, and they had probably been handed many guns on a daily basis and told that this gun was cold or this gun's loaded with blanks or whatever it is. And 99 out of 100 times, or maybe 900 times out of 901, the gun was cold or it did have blanks or it was whatever somehow a live round found its way into the gun and that's somebody else's fault and alec baldwin was handed that gun probably for the 900th time and told it was cold and and he had no reason to think otherwise and he picked it up and did what he was told because he had probably done that every other day yeah and, now, and jamie it's, it's on social media
2: go ahead. Uh, that's, that's where i was going and you know i think that Uh, You know, people are are skewering Alec Baldwin. Now, Alec Baldwin, the producer of the movie, he might be in some legal trouble. But Alec Baldwin, the actor, uh, I don't think he he didn't... It doesn't appear that he did anything wrong. And I think our world has done such a good job of of ingraining the four universal rules into everyone's head um, that we might be probably being a little, you know, a little bit of tunnel vision here. You know, actors get paid to break those four rules. And they take special steps to ensure that they're going to be safe. Now, obviously, there were some steps that weren't taken here, like you like you said. But people took it an opportunity to to go after somebody they don't like. You know, by but didn't really think Absolutely. this thing through.
8: So, as we're talking, as we're having this discussion, some actor somewhere is pointing a gun at somebody and pulling a trigger. Um, but. You're exactly right. And the operative words that you just used were, in our world, we're ingrained with those four universal safety rules. And this is where I part ways with everybody else on social media because not everybody is in our world. Um, I have people that show up to classes all the time that have, don't really have any real concept of the scope of responsibility. Uh, that they have as a gun owner, that they are not familiar with the four universal weapon safety rules. And just about in every single class I teach, uh, I have a student break the four universal weapon safety rules. And these are people that care enough to seek out that training. Um, So to have the expectation that everybody is, especially an A-list actor that gets paid millions of dollars, like he doesn't care because it's... A million and it's been fine every other time before because it is somebody else's job. This is like a race car driver doesn't have to set the car up for the race because that's somebody else's job. They don't have to worry about that. Their job is to drive the car. Alec Baldwin's job is to act. But everybody on social media has this, like, in my opinion, this really egotistical stance that because I know this thing, everybody else on earth is expected to know this thing. And I just, that's just not reality.
3: But you see, and but, Jamie, I would agree with you completely on everything you you said there. The thing is, you know, and this goes back to what we were just talking about in the segment before about responsibility. And then, you know, the last couple of weeks about this, it's like he I would not expect Alec Baldwin to know anything about the four universal rules of safety or anything like that. Um, because he's an anti-gun person. He probably has no interest in that. But he is an yep. actor, and they do have rules, and they do have protocols when they are handling firearms, like you pointed out. And, you know, there were articles from other actors, um, you know, Ray Liotta and people like that that have made lots of movies with lots of guns, and they said they, they specifically have protocols. And, you know, someone hands them a gun, they check it clear in front of the person, they dry-fire it. And, you know, the I think the bigger issue is they i'm sure they had those protocols or those rules in place on that set for whatever reason they weren't paying attention to them or they were violated and that's that i think to me that's more of the thing it's a responsibility thing um you know in that case
8: so the two best kind of uh, thought experiments that i've heard about this um is on the set of uh the movie kick ass the actress Chloe Moretz, she was 13 years old when she played Hit Girl on on the movie uh, Kick-Ass. So in that movie, she pointed several guns at several people and at the camera and everywhere else. So if she had cooked off a live round that had hurt or killed somebody, would everybody be calling for her to be tried as an adult for murder? Or would everybody say, she's a 13-year-old girl, uh, we can give her a pass? Because I don't think Alec Baldwin... I think it's actually a fairly realistic comparison to think that Alec Baldwin probably doesn't know any more than your average 13-year-old girl about safely handling a weapon. I've
2: compared oh, no. Alec Baldwin to a 13-year-old so, girl a lot. so <laughs> Intellectually, at least. All right, all right. We're, but, you know, we're trying to have a discussion on being high then, class but and again, taking well, the high road, and I say
3: that. I'm sorry. But talking about the, the rules, though, I mean, they, if you're making a movie, you routinely violate what we can, you know, consider the safety rules right. because you're making a movie. That's yep. why they have their protocols in place. That's, that's why, okay, we're intentionally going to point guns at people and pull the trigger so that's why they have their rules in place to know exactly the condition of that gun all the time and it, it just seems like it, that was for some reason that was not done on that set or at least right. at that, and, uh, at that time like, <laughs> anyway
8: there's no way you could ever know the answer to this but like a, a good way to gauge whether or not alec baldwin was you know what level of negligence uh he had was if somehow you could go back in time and say they were filming a scene where he was supposed to commit suicide, would he have double-checked that gun before he pointed it at, at himself? And <laughs> wow, that's actually that way we,
3: that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that that stuff will all come out, I think, eventually. But I mean, like I said, if if the rule was that you're an actor on the set when someone hands you a gun, you verify it, you dry fire it if that is the rule that they have and that wasn't being done, then that's going to be the, the thing that they'll focus on to say, well, why wasn't that done? Why, why did that happen?
8: Yeah, I have been, I've been on the set of, uh, um, like some people don't know, everybody knows I was on top shot, but I was also an extra on uh, the movie, the dark Knight. I played a national guard soldier in the dark Knight, and, uh, we used, Real weapons as our National Guard guns. We were carrying around real M16s and stuff. Um, obviously, no ammunition was present, whatever. But um, I'm not familiar enough to know is there if there's a, like a union standard or um, you know different rules for different locations or different rules for different productions or whatever. But um, on the set of like The Dark Knight, like I said, when they uh, whenever we would arm up with our guns, like we were confined to a, a certain area, and then we actually went on set. Uh, every firearm had to be independently verified as as clear and safe and and unloaded and no real ammunition present but any person any cameraman any stuntman any actor any of the production crew anybody at any time that felt unsafe could call a stop and have the weapons re-verified again so um, I've seen it with my own eyes like typically this is something that is very there is a very strict protocol in place and it is very strictly followed so so that that does bring up real quick jamie last last question
2: real quick yeah Uh, yeah, we have like 10 seconds do you care if they ever use a real firearm on the set of a movie again
8: no um and it's my understanding that the second and third john wick movies were filmed mostly with airsoft guns because it's less dangerous and it's actually easier across the board if they use an airsoft gun to film the action sequence and then put in the muzzle flashes and the spent casings being ejected out of the shell or out of the firearm, they can do all that in post-production. So I, I bet we are going to see a, a heavy trend towards doing like John Wig did and filming most of those action sequences with airsoft guns. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, Hey, that was great conversation. Thank you very much, Jamie. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks. Stick around. we got a whole lot more right here on Gun Owners Radio. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM
6: 1170.
1: The answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170.
6: The answer.
2: Just in time. So we had a gun prom. We talked about it a little bit, and we're going to have the CEO of San Diego County Gun Owners who successfully planned and executed the gun prom uh, this year to talk about the details.
1: But first, if you have legal matters that involve firearms that you need, then you need to call our attorney, John Dillon, especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, Gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760 642 7150 or visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. All right, Wendy, welcome to the show. Good seeing you again.
9: Good seeing you too.
1: So, Wendy,
2: fantastic job on gun prom.
9: Well, thank you, thank you. What was,
2: uh, what's was what been the feedback that you've received so far?
9: Uh, it's, it's all been very positive. Um, we worked really hard to make sure on the front end that everything went really smoothly and created a really good uh, user experience for the attendees. But I think the biggest feedback is amazement that we could get almost a thousand people in the room specifically there to support the second amendment
1: which
9: uh, is wendy really cool. wendy 999 <laughs> <laughs> i said almost a
1: thousand okay i just double checked i want to keep you out of jail well,
9: I, don't,
2: I don't think people understand um what a uh, enormous task that that is um you know we i, I don't even remember the numbers so our, our first dinner Back in, like, 2016 was just, I don't even think we had 300 people. Um, I think so, yeah. And and it's grown every year. And last year, or two years ago when we had it, it was, like, in the, what, 600 people range, something like that? Yeah,
9: yeah, 670, something like that.
2: So I don't think people truly understand how much work it takes uh, to have a 1,000 people, excuse me, Dave, 999 people. Um, have, have dinner with you. Plus, you know, give away prizes, you know, raffle off 30 something guns, um, uh, have a, an auction speakers. I don't think people truly understand what a Herculean task that was. And that was all Wendy. You did every bit of that. Uh, you deserve oh, every ounce of credit. And, uh, I can't tell you how, how, um, elated, uh, people have been because it went so smoothly and it was so fun I just had uh, just somebody today they went to a, a dinner and uh, I asked her how it went she said it was really sort of super boring and I said well because your expectations are all distorted because you've been to gun prom uh, so you did a fantastic job Wendy and I, I can't tell you you just deserve a ton of credit for it yep checks in the mail well, thank you <laughs> what was the toughest well, part
9: we couldn't
2: oh go ahead I'm sorry I interrupted uh... you. you couldn't what
9: we couldn't done it without our amazing sponsors and, you know, all of the people who have supported us from the very beginning and were very, very patient with how difficult things were last year and confusing and up in the air. Um, and so when we were finally able to hold our dinner, I think people were really excited. Yeah, I
2: think you're right. What, what was the toughest part of planning the whole dinner?
9: Um, um, Michael Schwartz trying to butt in, and you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it, you know, I think. Um, How dare. The, let's see. <laughs>
2: right here on my own <laughs> the show. <hardest> part was... <laughs> well, it's not entirely mine, but.
9: <clears throat> um, I think the hardest part was just trying to organize it all. You know, a thousand people is 999 people is, is really a lot of people. Um, and the most frustrating part was that we had people who had bought tickets like 18 months prior because yeah. we announced this date in January of 2019 um, and then had to move it several times. So um, people were just really glad that we could finally celebrate the Second Amendment together and um, and hang out and have a party, have, a, have prom.
2: Jackson, did you have fun at, at gun prom?
4: Very much.
2: What did you like about it?
4: It's just seeing all these different people and seeing all the different guns, I felt like it it really excited me for seeing all those different guns that all of those people who've made the guns, I i get to see those details that they've made. That's awesome.
2: Do you remember meeting Wendy on the phone here? Do you remember we- saying hello to her? Yep. Yeah, She did a good job planning it, huh? yep awesome well spoken well said
9: thank you jackson
2: so what it, now what does it mean so the dinner i mean obviously we raised some funds and one of the ways that uh san diego county gun owners can continue to be successful is to have you know be able to support the candidates that we support and have the staff that we have and and uh the programs that we that we uh that we sponsor but what what else does it mean what else does the does the dinner really mean
9: It means that we're not alone. You know, I think a lot of people forget that there is a very strong Second Amendment community in San Diego and, uh, you know, and all over California, particularly Southern California. And it means that people can see, hey, there are not only so many gun owners, but people who are loud and proud about supporting the Second Amendment. I mean, it's not every day that you can get a dinner together with this many people.
2: No, it should be. Should do that every day. That'd be awesome. When is the next one, by the way?
9: (laughs) Big announcement. The next one is June 18th, uh, 2022, and it will be at the Town and Country Hotel again.
2: Awesome. And what was your, was there anything in particular that, that, uh, that surprised you about the dinner? Was there something that that happened that you enjoyed or or something that kind of sticks in your... I know you were super busy uh, for like a week, um, but was there something that happened during the dinner when you were able
1: to... A week? Oh, gosh. You're only giving her a week?
2: (laughs) No, she was busy for a week that one day. Jesus. That one day she was busy. I think
1: 360 days she was busy.
4: (laughs)
2: Well, what was something when you were able to, you know, poke your head up and, and, you know, take a breath, what was something that you... Uh, that sticks out uh, for the dinner. What's something you really liked?
9: You know, there was a portion of the event where we talked about our Not Me SD program, and we showed this really great interview with one of our applicants. Her name was Kenesha, um, and her amazing story. She was a survivor of a shooting um, and, you know, worked her way into finding the courage to go shooting again. She has a gun now. She's getting training. Um, And telling that story was just so amazing. And There was so much positive feedback about that story. And the support that just came through after we shared that story, you know, we did a a portion where we raised funds specifically for NAMI SD, and it was just so overwhelming. And I'm very grateful for everyone's really incredible generosity to help take this program above and beyond
2: yeah I thought that was cool too I enjoyed everything it was really cool saw a lot of faces and
9: the, and the food was amazing
2: I keep hearing that I didn't I didn't get any food that night I didn't get invited to the tasting I didn't you get were to invited. What was I invited I didn't go you to the were, tasting you,
9: were, and you did not go
1: <laughs> okay Wendy next year cater spaghetti Wendy. from Denny's yeah
9: yeah <laughs> And he will I've be something about that.
1: over yeah. the moon, trust it's, me. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And look how inexpensive it would be <laughs> it really compared would be. to what you guys. <laughs> well,
2: that's the only thing about Denny's spaghetti. It's way overpriced. It's like 29 cents worth of pasta, and I think if you walk out of there, it's, like, Every Italian it's like $15 restaurant $15 or something like that. Anyway, you can spend $15 at Denny's for spaghetti. <laughs> well, it's not cheap. It's got to be $6. I, I bet you it's more than six dollars. When Brittany and I go, we'll, we're gonna uh, find out. Yeah, we'll yeah. find. Out. I'll, I'll give you a full review. That'll be our gear review that week. That'll work. Is I'll have the moons over my hammy and Brittany. I'll have the uh, skibetty. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really. It was all the faces. I got to tell you. Um, you know, we'd all been cooped up in uh, in our houses from uh, COVID, and there were a lot of uh, folks that I hadn't seen in a, a long time. I, there were some people at that dinner that I hadn't seen in years some second amendment activists from, from way back. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we hadn't, you know, I hadn't seen them since we were in a trench together like 10 years ago, um, mm-hmm. at a city council meeting or whatever. And, uh, I think that's the best part. I and there but above and beyond that, there are a lot of new faces, a lot of people that just, you know, wow, this is the first time I've been to gun prom and, um, you know, and things just went so smooth, Wendy. And you just, you just did a fantastic job from, beginning to end any changes that we're going to see in the uh and at the June 18th dinner
9: um not that I know of I hope
2: not you haven't um you mean you're not already planning that you didn't spend all day sitting around planning June 18th dinner
9: you know there's been a lot of planning done already actually but um but no we uh we don't anticipate any major changes and one you know jumping back to the the seeing old faces and new faces the one thing that I forgot to mention that was really cool is that we had a lot of people who have moved away since, um, since we first announced our original date. Um, and we had a lot of people come back. Um, so they traveled in from out of state just to be here for this event, which was pretty cool.
2: That was cool. There were a lot of people, um, Megan and zoo, uh, came in mm-hmm. and Morgan came in. from Yeah. Morgan. Yeah. That was all very, very cool. you got to
1: have an award for who traveled the farthest. Oh, that's year. a good idea. That's, that's actually seriously
2: a really good idea.
0: Yeah. I like
2: that. And Frank from U.S. Law Shield, he said that he's going to try to get it written into his contract with U.S. Law Shield that he gets to come to gun prom every <laughs> year.
9: So, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's
2: totally worth it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, Everything was really, really well done. Um, the check-in went smoothly. I knew it would, though. I never had a doubt about that. Um, mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> everything went really, really well. How many volunteers did it take to do gun prom? (laughs) (laughs)
1: 4,812.
9: You know, um, we probably had uh, just over 30 maybe. Um, And, you know, these people are always amazing. We have this, a a lot of the volunteers that we have are ones that volunteer every year, which is pretty cool too.
1: Yeah, because you don't have to retrain anybody.
9: Mm-hmm. And they, they just love doing it. They love seeing all the same faces. They love helping out and contributing to making a successful event.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you, Wendy. Awesome job. Look forward job. to June. Congratulations. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, you, you've you turned this thing into an amazing showpiece. I mean, yes, it's a fundraiser, and that truly, truly helps the organization. Um, but just the fact that you've turned it into a, an event where gun shops close early for the day just to attend and people come from, you know, miles around to, to attend, you've done a great job. Congratulations.
9: Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right. Have a great evening. Hey, folks, don't touch that dial. Sam, the gun man's coming up. You can't hear it if you don't listen. So stay tuned. You will not believe the question. Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96. AM 1170. The answer. Nice job. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM
6: 1170. The answer.
1: We live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. So let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things you can do. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, the podcast, or whatever way you like to listen to the show. Number two, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps boost the show and puts it in front of a lot more people. All right, who's going to do Stump Mind? Before my we
2: interview? go, oh. we had some questions. I've gotten more than one text on asking, what are we talking about when it comes to the Denny's spaghetti
1: Oh. Part of
2: me just wants to leave it vague, you know, just kind of... Tell
1: him to go try it. You'll see.
2: Yeah, well, okay. So last week we were... I, I don't even remember. We, oh, because I went to... I don't know. It's, yeah, we yeah. went to a Denny's, and the only thing I like at Denny's is their spaghetti.
3: And you made a big deal And
2: they that. Well, they didn't have... They were out of oh, spaghetti. Oh, and they were out of They, it. Were, out of they it. were out of spaghetti. And I thought, yeah. how are you out of anything, your Denny's?
3: Apparently a lot of Denny's customers like spaghetti. Well, i at tell at you what, that the night. complaint <laughs>
1: box was full, thanks to Michael Schwartz.
2: <laughs> so I'm... I'm a big fan of spaghetti, and believe it or not, Denny's spaghetti is some of the best spaghetti out there. So, um, there I've I've had better spaghetti at Denny's than I have at some really high end Italian restaurants.
1: You know we're gonna get them for a sponsor.
2: I Well, uh, the other the other side of the is The other side of that coin is there's nothing else on that menu worth eating. So <laughs> oh my, not even the pancakes. I wonder if just the spaghetti can sponsor the show because if that you'd be golden yeah be golden so that's what's with the spaghetti no the food at gun prom was way better than denny's spaghetti as good as denny's spaghetti is i think you're lying i i, I this is only what i'm being told because you didn't even eat it you i said. didn't get any food
1: i was gonna say you didn't even i eat. went
2: to you know me and my so i had a buddy from out of town a yeah. high school buddy came into town to go to gun prom um this guy uh, uh like i said we went to high school together we were neighbors in high school and got in all kinds of trouble
1: so you went to in and out burger
2: no we went to uh cotija's <laughs> <laughs> we got mexican food after so i <clears throat> figured that was a very san diego thing to do mm-hmm. all right so what are we doing okay you ready jackson yep okay we're gonna do our every week we do stump my nephew my nephew sam sam you there
10: yeah, how are you guys?
2: Fantastic. How many years have you been on the show now, Sam? Um,
10: I I think two now. I think we just stumped him with Stas that was question. I was say,
2: stumped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been, uh, we've Sam's been on the show for a couple years. So you're 22. I thought you came on when you're like 19. So I think it's closer to three years. Yeah,
10: yeah, just over three years, I guess. So three
2: years, we found out that he knows a ton about guns. So what we do is we get people to write in. And uh, they send us questions about guns. And if we use your question, we send you a hat or a shirt, whatever you like. Um, if you stump my nephew, you get a front sight membership, which basically gives you a lifetime of, of uh, firearms training in the beautiful uh, uh, town of Pahrump, Nevada. So um, anyway, we have Jackson here. Jackson, how you doing, buddy? Good. Okay, good. Jackson and your dog, what's your dog's name? Chase. He's a good boy. He's sitting there. He's hanging out. He's doing his thing. Uh, Jackson is going to read your your question, Sam. So go for it, Jackson. Without further ado, who's it from first? Um, Maybe Melissa can point it out there.
4: Blair. Blair Blair from Lamisa asks, what is a riot gun?
2: What is a a riot riot gun? gun? Yep.
10: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to work at Denny's spaghetti pun into this answer uh, I, I don't think I can so a, um, a riot gun simply put is a type of shotgun there there aren't any specific rules for uh, a riot gun has to be this it has to have this it has to do that um, it's a type of shotgun used by law enforcement and especially prison guards in order to as the name suggests put down riots so usually it'll have a short barrel as opposed to like your 28-inch your hunting barrels. It'll have something like an 18-inch or a 14-inch barrel. It will usually have an extended magazine tube, so seven or eight rounds instead of like four to six. And it will usually, but not always, it will often have uh, some ghost ring sites for use with slugs uh, or beanbag rounds or what have you should the need arise.
2: I think that's right. Are you going to read the, the answer? These shotguns typically have shorter barrels and are used by police and military personnel to disperse large crowds of rioters. Before the invention of rubber bullets and beanbags, police would fire on the surface of paved roads to create a wider spray of pellets that would cause no fatalities. I didn't know that part. Did you know that part?
10: Um, yeah, that's that's actually what you're supposed to do with uh, rubber bullets and rubber buckshot So that they bounce up into the crowd instead of hitting people dead on. Um, Because when, you know, rubber bullets do carry quite a bit of energy. And if you get hit with a rubber bullet close enough, then it can be fatal or at least cause serious permanent injury.
2: Awesome job, as always, despite not having a uh, a spaghetti pun. That's okay. Um, Great job. I actually told uh, Dave I got some boxing gloves
0: yeah
2: i bought some boxing gloves um
1: <laughs>
2: and why well for for boxing
1: <laughs> i didn't know you were a boxer
2: well i haven't done it in like 20 something years I Thought but you were a wrestler i did that too well, that, um, that
3: sounds like a hold my beer thing here i think that's all yeah, right i know right well too. it
2: gets even better so the, the guy i'm going to uh i'm going to practice with uh he's a seal leo hamill no not leo <laughs> dude's a seal so <laughs> it's getting worse. <laughs> I know. I'm getting. You You're know, gonna get hit in gonna, the face. I know. By seal? He's gonna ring my bell, man. So I sent a picture of <laughs> my boxing were gloves. What you think? I don't know. I don't know. But if I come in with a black eye, oh it, my god, it this may is or may a whole, not. Be this is a hold my
1: beer if there ever was one.
2: So I, I told, I sent a picture of the boxing gloves to uh, to Sam, and he writes back. He said, "Does the San Diego Art Museum have steps?" <laughs> I thought that was great. Very good. Uh, hey, so so stay on line here, Sam. Um, Jackson w- was listening to us talk about Alec Baldwin and everything that happened there, and you had an opinion on that. What are, what are your thoughts on that?
10: Uh, I have opinions on many no, things. No, 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 Sam. No, no, not no, yeah, you. on. We're, we're <laughs> letting the little
2: guy do it. Jackson, go go ahead.
4: Okay, so for my opinions, anybody who like particip participates in an action movie that involves guns, should practice the four universal safety gun rules and they should practice what they are going to do on set before they do it and also maybe ask who is filming the set um To have the gun with while you're dry firing, so you can dry fire it, and when you like leave to go to it, make sure it's unloaded. Like check the barrel, no magazines in it. Make sure it's clear, all that, just to make sure you don't end up like Alex Baldwin.
2: Eight eight year old, eight year old. uh, You know, I think those. I think that's wise advice. I think that's actually really, really uh, a really good uh, point of view there.
10: Sure. I, I agree completely. Um, now, part of that is the responsibility of the set armorer to make sure that everyone has the proper training and knows how to follow the rules. And of course, a lot of it is still incumbent on the uh, individual actors and actresses themselves. Now, it's it, it, it's interesting because we, uh, we think so... We put so much importance on educating children about how to be safe around firearms. You know, like if you see a gun, don't touch it, tell a responsible adult. But the thing is, it's not any more or less dangerous to handle a tool you don't know how to handle safely, whether you're a child or an adult. Uh, Adults who don't know how to handle firearms safely still shouldn't handle them. Just, Just being older doesn't it uh, doesn't necessarily make you inherently safer. You still have to follow all the same rules. You still have to know how to be safe. And, you know, if, if you're violating those rules, then bad things can happen. That's why we have the rules.
1: Yeah, You can cut your leg off with a chainsaw <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing.
2: Exactly. <laughs> or I'd, I'd argue if you are going to do that, you better know what you're doing. <laughs> And sure. If you're gonna get Take punched in the
1: face by a seal, <laughs> can you believe it? You should really know what you're doing. I know. I really
2: started kind of putting that whole thing together the other day, and I'm like, "What am I doing? What
1: is? How old is this seal? Like 28?
2: You, no, he's he's uh, he's not 40. Uh, <laughs> you're in so much I know, trouble. I
1: know. Can I have your jeep?
2: I told him. I was like, "Seal I'm can, I'm taking you I, down. Can
3: I have your jeep? <laughs> Because <laughs> you'll never walk again. Yeah, so know, I'm looking right. forward to the Schwartz statue, though, at the uh, yeah. front of the art museum. Yeah. Oh really
1: yeah, cool. me too. In your uh, what do you call that thing? A singlet or whatever. A what singlet? What singlet. Are you going to wear that when you punch him? Because that's the only way you're going to get away with it. If
2: I if I wear that, he'll definitely walk. That's punch what I me. said.
1: The only way you're going to hit him is if you wear that. <laughs> It'll be fun. Make guys, sure it's got American
2: flags. Somebody have a little bit of faith in me here. A little bit. Mm,
4: no. I have faith in you. Thank
2: you, Jackson. Nice job. Let's, Jackson,
1: look. you need to go and you need to be the towel boy. You need to have it and you know, make sure his head doesn't sweat when he's standing out there. That'd be awesome. Carry the bucket of water. What do you think?
2: Yeah.
4: Yep. You can, yeah. I'll tell you what.
2: You could ride the bike and I'll jog in front of the bike, pulling the bike, you know, like in that one Rocky. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. All, you just sit there with a megaphone yelling faster. <laughs> you like that idea?
4: Yes. I mean, it would be good leg strength for
1: I totally agree. All right, folks. Hey, don't touch that dial. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify, YouTube, whatever your favorite flavor is. And please support all our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage 365, Glacier Famous, Scott Vincent at Coldwall Banker, Royal Realty, and National Concealed Carry. Thanks to Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, and Brendan and Joe in the box on FM 96. AM
6: 1170. The answer.